Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 48 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that we're able to explore the religion of Islam together and that I'm able to, uh, you know, take in all your questions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or any suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I promise I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. With that being said, let's get right into it. Today's topic is critical for many reasons. Number one, uh, we're addressing how did our Prophet ﷺ become a prophet. This should be critical because we need to know, you know, how did it happen? How did it all, you know, go down? Uh, we want to know how we got the revelation, right? So we we know that we got passed on from one generation to another, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala vowed never to uh, allow any changing or editing in the revelation, which alhamdulillah, uh, that, there's only one version of the Qur'an. It's, it's the, that's your biggest proof right there. Uh, yes, there are disagreements and sects and whatever, but alhamdulillah, the overwhelming majority of Muslims are the Sunnah Muslims, those who follow the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and th- those are the ones that the Prophet wasallam said they are the ones on the right path out of any other sect. But we need to know how did the Prophet ﷺ, how did he get the message? You know, how, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicate to him that he is the final prophet and messenger? You know, what's the story behind it? What happened exactly? Because our Prophet, ﷺ, you know, he was born to his to, in his in his mind, he was a normal human being. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chosen him from like from before our creation, right? Because Allah predetermined everything, right? But to our Prophet ﷺ, he was a little kid, you know, he was uh, then a young man and, and, you know, he was a normal human being. Again, in his mind, he was a normal human being. And then something happened. So we need to know what happened that made the, that, that caused that transition from him being a normal human being to, uh, to the final messenger of God, to the final messenger of Allah, um, but let me tell you before before we get into uh, the you know the, the incidents that led to the revelation and, and all these things, our Prophet ﷺ, there was a couple things that were known about him. Number one, he was the most honest person in the Arab Peninsula, in in all of Mecca. He was honest, like it was insane how honest he was. You know, it was, and we mentioned this in, in previous episodes that he wouldn't, when he jokes, he used to actually be honest in his joke. Again, like I said, we usually like, you know, make up a little lie just for the sake of the joke. Uh, but the Prophet ﷺ, no, he would actually, and I gave you, I remember I gave you examples, uh, I think two episodes ago or three episodes ago, um, uh, when he made jokes, he actually was honest. He was truthful. He did not lie, even for the sake of a joke. Uh, he was very disciplined. He was very shy. Uh, uh, and that was manifested when he uh, was introduced to the, his first wife, uh, Khadija. May Allah be pleased with her, radiallahu anha. Radiallahu anha means may Allah be pleased with her. That's what we call the companions or anybody who, you know, Muslim who met the Prophet ﷺ in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, 
and basically she was a businesswoman and uh, she needed someone to be a shepherd. And just to let you know, all prophets were shepherds. Some, some way, somehow, they were all shepherds. And the reason why, because being a shepherd teaches you patience. And the number one quality in a prophet or a messenger is patience. You have to understand this. When you t- preach to people and they're not listening, they're rejecting you. Yeah, you need patience. And Allah chose that all his messengers become uh, shepherds. So they are basically mentally prepared by being cuz what do you do when when you know when when uh, when a sheep uh you know uh, goes astray or leaves the flock you, you don't beat the sheep you don't yell at it you know like you keep like trying to make it go back by being patient you know you guide it and then uh so he worked for Khadija radiyallahu anha may Allah be pleased with her and uh he was you know uh, taking care of her sheep and whatever and and her businesses and then he actually was not just a shepherd he was uh basically he started taking over her business he was like her manager basically business manager again because of his honesty his absolute honesty his mannerisms he was incredibly polite he wouldn't look at her in the eyes he would you know always look down when he talks to her and uh she liked him and she wanted to propose to him. And that tells you something. We talked about this before, but like, yeah, she proposed to the Prophet Sallallahu uh, And basically, and that was, uh, of course, we said this is all pre-Islam. That was before Islam, right? And uh, she asked, I think, one of uh, someone that she, who works with her to go talk to him. And the Prophet Sallallahu agreed and basically they got married. And we talked before, this is how the Prophet Sallallahu this, this is the first time that the Prophet uh, was ever married and that's why Khadija has a very special place in the Prophet's hearts and will you know throughout the, the biography of the Prophet there are many uh, many incidents that prove that, that that prove she was a very incredibly uh, special um, human being and a special wife and also uh, Khadija actually the Prophet only had children from Khadija. If you guys, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. He never had any children from anybody else. Like we said, the Prophet Sallam uh, had seven children. He had seven children, right? And we all know that they all died before he did, except for one, Fatima. Fatima was the only child who died literally a little bit after the death of the Prophet but he buried all of his six children, six other children, right? He had all seven children from Khadija, none from anybody else. Just so you know, again, this is another trivia question. Khadija was the first woman to believe in the Prophet Sallallahu as we will, you know, we will explain and we will uh, uh, discuss in, in a little bit. Khadija, and here this is a big deal. Khadija was the only, the house of Khadija, her house was the only house that Jibreel, Angel Gabriel, walked in. Angel Gabriel did not enter any of, any other house with the Prophet any of the other wives, he did not enter any uh, any other house except for the house of Khadija. May Allah be pleased with her. 
She is a big deal. Khadija is a big deal. She's a big deal. Aisha, we all know that Aisha, I don't know, again, Aisha was the most beloved, uh, closest wife to the Prophet ﷺ. So she was the closest to his heart. But even Aisha says what? The only one who made me incredibly jealous was Khadija. Even though she never, they never met. Khadija passed away uh, be way before the Prophet ﷺ. Like when Khadija passed away, the Prophet ﷺ only, he only married her. There was no other wives. The Prophet ﷺ started marrying, then all of his friends were pushing him to get married after the death of Khadija. May Allah be pleased with her. So, yeah. So, this is just a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, on how they got married and, and how, uh, you know, they loved one another. It was a very sincere relationship. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ was, uh, at the, he was at a very stable um, uh, stable uh, uh, state in his his life. Another thing you need to know about the Prophet wasallam uh, growing up that he never worshipped an idol, ever. This is before Islam. I just want you to understand. This is all before Islam. He never worshipped. He never felt like this was right. Our Prophet and Khadija, they were both on the path of Ibrahim, Prophet Abraham, you know. They were they were following the commands of Prophet Abraham about Allah. It was not as much as, you know, they didn't know much because it was generations and generations, right? But they felt that idolatry was not the answer. It was not right. Um... So, because everybody in Mecca now started worshipping idols, he just, you know, used to seclude himself, you know, in, in a cave. And that cave was famously, and, and this cave exists until today, you can literally go and, and visit it. It's called the Cave of Hira. The Cave of Hira. Uh, this is in Mecca. And uh, he literally, and, and there's a mountain called An-Nur Mountain, um, that basically uh, has that cave. So that cave was not in, 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 in like, you know, on, on the ground. You had to actually climb a mountain, and then the cave was at the end of that mountain. And the cave, by the way, just it was a very small uh, cave. Like, when we described the cave, so basically it was literally fits for only one person, number one. So if, if, if the Prophet ﷺ sits down, it's only it fits for one person. It's not a big cave. It's a technically a tiny cave, right? And then when the Prophet used to sit down in this cave, he literally would be. There are incredible things about this cave. No? Like one of them is that he could only uh, be able to face the qibla, to face the Kaaba. He's be, he'll be forced to face the Kaaba. The only seating kind of position is to face the Kaaba, is the qibla. And for those of you who don't know, the Qibla is where we all pray now. That's the same direction. And he could clearly see the Kaaba and the surroundings of the Kaaba. So he can see a big part of... He has a view, basically. When he used to sit there, he would have a view of Mecca, specifically the Kaaba, from that cave, from that spot in the cave. Then he used to take food and water, you know, and spend a few nights there and just thinking about the existence of the universe. The creation of mankind, the creation of, you know, animals, the creation of everything, you know. And at that time, he was 40 years old. So he's not young. He was, you know, 40 years old. 
So, you know, he, he used to sit down and, you know, uh, and wonder and, and, and like think about, you know, um, what's, 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 what is this world and uh, how come uh, idol worshiping just does not fit the picture, you know, and he would think about Allah again, they knew Allah, even those who worship, used to worship idols, they knew Allah pretty well. But they just thought worshipping idols will get them closer to Allah. Worshipping someone else, partners, will get them closer to Allah. But the Prophet ﷺ and his wife Khadija were on the path of Ibrahim. And, and they just, you know, didn't, it didn't sit well with the Prophet ﷺ, this whole idolatry, the paganism part. And during this time, you know, before the revelation... Uh, Certain things, and, and it says that it's, I think it was about like six months. For about six months before the actual events of the revelation, the Prophet ﷺ used to have some supernatural stuff happening to him. Like, for example, he would be walking somewhere and he would hear the rocks, uh, you know, on, on the road greeting him and saying salam to him. And at first he thought, he was like, what is this? Like, this is kind of bizarre. You know, am I like hallucinating? He used to hear this, the rocks. And this happened for, guys, this happened for six months. Whenever he goes, of course, if he's alone, he would hear the rocks greeting him. And he thought it was very strange. But what is he going to do about it? You know, he can't control it. Then... Also for six months, every, in, every, for every single night, he would have a dream. He would have a dream. And then the next morning, that dream will actually happen. So, like, so, so basically, he was having visions while he was asleep. Again, for six months. Of course, you would ask, why would these things happen to him? Like, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, let the rocks, what, what, what's the purpose? You know, the rocks greet him, having visions and everything hap he dreams of happens the next day. What is that? Well, you have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was preparing him mentally for what's about to happen. When he get used to it for six months, Allah didn't do this for once or twice. Allah did it for six months, so it became normal to the Prophet them. You know, when he walks, rocks greet him. She's so like, okay, you know, like, uh, again, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? Uh, he has visions every day, every night. And he's like, okay, that's interesting. And then he gets used to it for six months. It's all mental preparation, you know. And this, by the way, happened almost to all prophets except for probably Adam. Because Adam was created right away by the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But every prophet who was prepared to become a prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them this, you know, psychological training at first. Now, let's also, when, let's talk about when exactly the revelation began, right? So when did it take place? So we all know, and this is in the Quran, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ it was in the month of Ramadan. Remember, we we talked before about the, the 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 Islamic calendar, the Arab calendar. The month of Ramadan was always there. It's just people didn't use to fast in it and do the Islamic rituals in it. But the actual month was there, and it was as blessed as it is right now. But people were oblivious to the blessings of that month. So, why do you guys know that that we we we, we 
if you go back to the episode of, of, of what is Ramadan, I, I believe I, I made the episode a while ago, uh, I talk about a specific night in the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan. Uh, we don't know specifically what that night is. Some people say it's the 27th. Some people say it's just the, an odd night. It's, has, it's an odd night in the last 10 nights. That's for sure what we know. And uh, it's a very special night, but nobody knows why. Laylatul Qadr. It's actually mentioned in the Quran. There's a chapter in the Quran called Al Qadr. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises that night and says that angels led by Gabriel, they come down and Allah showers, you know, all the believers who pray and, and worship him on that night with tremendous amount of mercy. And they basically, many of them get exempt even from hellfire, from ever entering hellfire. It's such a blessed night, such a blessed night. And the reason why, because that's the night that the Qur'an was revealed. This is the night that the Prophet ﷺ received his message. That's why it's that important. This is the night where Gabriel came down to Prophet Muhammad ﷺ and talked to him about being a prophet. What we know also about this night, but that specific night, we don't, we don't know that this is that specific, it was a Monday. I don't want you guys to think that every Monday now, which is an odd night. No, no, no. On Because we know the calendar changes, right? The days like, you know, uh, change. Uh, but when the Prophet ﷺ met Gabriel for the first time, it was a Monday. And this comes from a hadith directly from the Prophet ﷺ that it was indeed a Monday. So it was a Monday. It was the night of Qadr. It was in Ramadan, right? Now, how did it happen? Well, simple. The Prophet ﷺ, when he was sitting in that cave one night, the Prophet ﷺ was sitting in the cave of Hira, right? Gabriel out of nowhere showed showed up, and he he actually had the he, he took the form of a of a man. So he showed up in a form of a human being, a form of a man, out of nowhere, which kind of spooked the Prophet ﷺ. He got spooked, like where did you come from, you know? And then right away, Gabriel looks at the Prophet ﷺ, and he's like, read. Iqra. Iqra in Arabic means read. So he says, Iqra, read. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Ma ana I'm, I'm, I cannot read. We all know that the Prophet ﷺ was illiterate, right? He could not read, he could not write. By the way, until the day he died. You know, the illiterate Prophet. That's, it's, he's, that's what's famous for. Even his enemies knew that, right? For those of you who think he, you know, for those people who are claiming that the Prophet made up the Quran, he couldn't even do that if he wanted to. And he would never want to because he was, he is the best human being ever existed. Uh, but that's beside the point. So the Prophet says, I cannot read. What do you, what do you want me to read from? Like, I cannot read. So Gabriel grabs the Prophet ﷺ's hands and he squeezes them so hard that the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith that he lost all of his energy. It was, again, it was a kind of like a supernatural grab. It was not normal. The Prophet ﷺ lost all energy in that grab. He squeezed his hands so hard. And he said again, read. And the Prophet ﷺ again said, I cannot read. And he was freaked out at this point. Then Gabriel again grabs him. And this time it was even stronger than the first time. So Gabriel basically grabs him and then lets him go. And then he says, read. So the Prophet says, I cannot read. So he grabs him again. And this time it's even stronger than the first time. 
right? And the Prophet said, at this point, I thought I was going to die. There was something strange about his grab that it was basically sucking all the energy out of my body and I was like, couldn't breathe, right? So he, the Prophet ﷺ, in the second time that Gabriel grabbed him said, I thought I was going to die, you know? And then he let him go and then he said, again, read. And the Prophet ﷺ again had the same response. What do you want me to do? I cannot read. I, I'm illiterate. I cannot read. Then Gabriel grabs him a third time and when he grabbed him, the Gabriel recites the first ever verse to be revealed in the Quran. And we all know that the Quran, like it was not, it's not chronological, right? So the first chapter that we read now in the Quran is not the first chapter that was revealed. So the first verse to be ever revealed is from Surah Al-Alaq, chapter called Al-Alaq. And that's the first, literally, the, what, what Gabriel is about to recite, you know, of course, was sent by Allah, was spoken by Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the first verse that ever ever revealed in the Quran which is Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq khalaqa al-insana min alaq iqra wa rabbuka al-akram alladhi allama bil qalam allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam this is literally the first couple of verses that were mentioned that were revealed in the Quran um, so basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Gabriel tells the Prophet sallam the first revelation which is read by the name of your lord your Lord is the one who created, you know, created mankind from nothing. Read by the name of your Lord, the most generous, the one who taught with the pen, taught mankind what they never knew. This is the first thing that the Prophet was exposed to when it came to Islam. Now, let's analyze this situation a little bit. Let's let's see what's going on here, right? First of all, why was Gabriel squeezing the hands of the Prophet ﷺ? Well, number one, to indicate to him that he's not dreaming. Because when you're dreaming, what, what do you do? You tell people, pinch me, because I know that, you know, to know that I'm not dreaming. So when he inflicts some sort of physical pressure on the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ realizes that he's not dreaming, you know? And also to indicate that what the Prophet ﷺ was, is about to receive is something that's not light, it's heavy, something that's powerful. And it's manifested physically when Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, grabbed the Prophet ﷺ the way he grabbed him. Now, Recitation comes directly from the to, to the Prophet ﷺ from Allah. Those of you who could might ask, well, how did the Prophet ﷺ maintain to memorize the Quran? How did he memorize? This is not normal to memorize when he's so let's say Gabriel comes down and he it's not like Gabriel tries to make him memorize it. Gabriel tells it to him once and leaves. So how does the Prophet ﷺ keep it in his mind? How does he save it? Well, this is the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He actually puts it in the brain and the memory of the Prophet sallallahu vividly so the Prophet sallallahu would never forget it. This is a miracle. This is a prophet. Right? Do you guys know who was the first person to write, the first human to write? It was actually Prophet Idris who, you know, came before Prophet Noah, before Prophet Noah. I mean, my bad, before Noah was a prophet and a messenger, Idris was a prophet. We'll get to that later, but yeah, Idris was 
the first human being ever to write. Allah taught him how to write. And if you think about it, the blessings of writing is actually a mercy from Allah. Because if we were never taught how to write, nobody would have ever written the Quran. Nobody would have ever know, knew, know, uh, nobody would have ever known how to write the Quran. That would have been a big dilemma right now. And who is the first one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught how to speak? Do you guys know? It's Prophet Adam. Adam, the first human being. Allah taught him speech, how to speak. Again, same thing. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not teach Adam how to speak, we would have been mumbling right now. You know, grunting like animals. We were, we were not going to be able to communicate our emotions, our feelings, our needs and whatever. We're not going to be able to recite the Quran. So it's so out of Allah's mercy, the blessing. And, and, and that shows you uh, the amount of blessings that we have that we just took for granted. Us being able to speak, us being able to write, communicate our feelings and emotions. It's a blessing, but we take it for granted. Also, the Quran is considered to be the direct communication between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of mankind through what? Through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We knew everything about Allah and everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to tell us through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, through Quran, right? Now, after all this, after, you know, this, this, this crazy incident that happened, you know, the Prophet being, you know, uh, uh, exposed to Gabriel for the first time, he just ran back to his wife Khadija. You know, he freaked out. He ran back to his wife Khadija. His heart was, you know, palpitating. It was like beating so hard. And, uh, and as soon as he walked into the house, he entered the house, he told Khadija, you know, cover me up, cover me up. You know, just cover me, just cover me. Now, the reason why the Prophet ﷺ would ask Khadija to cover him is because he was shaking from inside. You know, he was shivering. His body was, you know, shaking and, you know, he felt cold. So he wanted his, his wife to cover him up. And, uh, and of course, the Prophet ﷺ, the reason why he was in this state, because number one, he was not expecting any of this to happen. You know, he was having a peaceful night on his own. Uh, sitting in the cave of Hira, and this guy comes out of nowhere, you know, and uh, did what he did. And also what happened to him, it's not just a guy, a random guy who came and, you know, yelled at him or squeezed his hand. It was some sort of a supernatural event. That was the king of angels. That was the leader of the angels standing in front of him. And it was not a human kind of interaction it was a more of a supernatural interaction and that's why the prophet was just in 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 in, in such a shocked uh, status you know like he was just shocked uh, shocked state i mean and he didn't know what to do and then he told khadija his wife what happened to him and he, he said this this guy showed up and he did this and uh, he kept telling me to read and i didn't know what he's saying and then he told me read by the name of again the, the word stuck in the head of the prophet allah intended it to stick in the head of the prophet he did not forget them and he told the, the guy told me this and i don't know what he means by this like am i am i am i crazy like what is happening to me and then to that khadija said no la wallah do not worry because God will never humiliate you. Now, we both know that they both worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will never humiliate you. They, they are worshiping Allah in, in their own way, following the teachings of Prophet Abraham and, uh, and Ishmael, Ishmael, his, his son. 
Um, but again, they don't know much about Allah uh, yet at this point. So she's saying like Allah would never humiliate you because you're such a great human being. And look at this 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 statement right now. She tells them this: You observe your kinship, meaning you take care of your family, all family members. You observe your kinship. You take on the burden of other people. You basically help other people who are in trouble or who are in need. You know, you give your money to the poor. You give your money to those who have nothing, basically. You are hospitable to your guests. Any guests who come in, you are very generous, very hospitable with them. And you do all types of good deeds. Basically, Khadija just summarized to us the character of the Prophet ﷺ before Islam. She just summarized the character of him before, even before Islam. These are all Islamic characters. This is all. These are all characters that a Muslim should have: observing kinship, being good to the poor, uh, you know, helping others who are, you know, in distress or in need. You know, uh, uh, be hospitable to your guests. These are all an Islamic mannerisms, and the Prophet ﷺ had those mannerisms even before becoming a prophet. So Khadija is trying to help the Prophet ﷺ, so she takes him to her older cousin Waraka. Do you guys remember that name from last episode? And I told you we'll come to him later. Waraka is one of the four people, if you guys remember, Waraka is one of the four people who are basically rejected paganism. The only four people in Mecca who became friends. Remember they created a bond? Waraka was the first one. He was the oldest and he is the one who accepted Christianity. So remember when they all left Mecca because they were like, idolatry doesn't make sense. We need to find the religion of Abraham or Abraham. And they all went separate ways. And technically, I don't think they ever met again. But again, it doesn't matter. Waraka uh, uh, kept looking, looking, and he finds some sort of type of Christianity, which is between Ju Judaism and Christianity. And he embraced Christianity technically. And... Uh, uh, he 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 became he grew really old. He lost his sight. You know he was um, he was a blind man, and he comes into play now because remember when we described Waraka, we said one of the things that he is the older cousin of Khadija, the wife of the Prophet So she takes him to Waraka. He's a, he's a man of knowledge. He's a man of knowledge, right? So she takes him to Waraka and she tells him exactly what happened. So they both tell him this this happened. This happened to me. Whatever, and uh, uh, basically. Waraka gets really intrigued. He becomes very excited. And he tells them, this is the Holy Spirit who came down to Moses before you. And basically he's saying that this happened to Moses before you. And I wish I was a young man so I can support you when your people reject you, persecute, and expel you. Now the Prophet got shocked. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? Expel me? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then Waraka responds and says that, yeah, never has been a prophet who was sent by Allah unless their people persecuted them, expelled them. You know, they were basically were rejected by their own people. And the Prophet got a little, you know, pale, like he, he just was scared now. Like, what? All this is about to happen to me. And by the way, that marks that, that Waraka was the first, like we said, the first Muslim to acknowledge our Prophet Sallallahu uh, And he became the first male Muslim. He, he's the first. And of course, Khadija was the first female Muslim, right? 
because um, uh, there's a big, big business. There's this huge misconception that the first one to become a Muslim was uh, Abu Bakr, which is the best friend of the Prophet ﷺ. But the thing is, the first one to acknowledge the Prophet ﷺ is a prophet and was re- and ready to follow him right away was Waraka. The problem is there was no religion yet. Islam was not established yet, so that's why the big misconception. But technically, Waraka is going to heaven. The Prophet is a hadith that, like, you know, Waraka is one of those who will have their houses in Jannah and in paradise. Okay, after this encounter with Waraka and, and the Prophet, uh, like, uh, for like a month or two, right, like the, the, the scholars say, or the companions, like some, some of the big scholars say that it's for like about 40, 40 to, you know, 50 days, nothing happened. The Prophet did not, Gabriel did not come down. There was no any type of revelation, no signs from Allah. Nothing happened. It was just, everything is back to normal. And the Prophet got upset because he was really intrigued to see what comes next. You know, like you just found out that you're about, you could be a, become a prophet, something, you know, a messenger from Allah, and all this stopped, you know. And that got the Prophet upset to the extent that the Prophet used to wander around in around Mecca looking for Gabriel. You know, he used to just look around like, is he going to show up again? You know, he was very intrigued. And he actually also used to go to the same cave of Hira, you know, back there, hoping that he would see Gabriel again and that Gabriel would show up again. And then one time, he was leaving the cave and going back home, and then he heard his name being called loudly. So he looked around him. There was nothing. He kept looking around. There was there was nothing. Then he heard his name being called again. So he's like, okay, where is this coming from? And he looks up, and lo and behold, he sees Gabriel in his true form, in his true form, his angelic form with 600 wings. <laughs> 600 wings that exact number so it's not like the Prophet ﷺ kept counting the wings but the Prophet ﷺ knew Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him that Gabriel had 600 wings the, the number of wings that he had and uh, he was blocking the horizon imagine he had a throne not of course this is not the throne of Allah don't don't get this mixed up he had his own throne he's the leader of the angels so he had a throne so he's sitting on his throne his own throne Gabriel angel Gabriel and his throne basically was between the heavens and the earth. So it was blocking the horizon. Can you imagine? And he was sitting on the throne and calling the Prophet Sallallahu name. The Prophet Sallallahu do you see how much he wanted to meet Gabriel? Right? He was looking for him everywhere. He was like expecting, but he expected probably him to show up as a man again. But now when Gabriel shows up in his true form, the Prophet Sallallahu couldn't even handle it. He just falls on his knees and he starts shaking and he gets really terrified. Can you imagine looking up and seeing an, a, a massive angel, an angel that blocks the horizon, blocks the horizon with his wings, sitting on a throne, looking straight at you, calling your name. How would you react? It shows us how human the Prophet Sallallahu was. His, his body was like, his heart was about to like, you know, get out of it, like leave his body. He was shaking so hard. You know, he couldn't even stand. He fell on his knees, you know. And he just ran back again to his wife and telling her, you know, like he just cover me up again in Arabic. Of course, that's what I meant. 
Cover me, cover me, cover me. Even though he was looking forward to this encounter, but he couldn't handle it because of how Gabriel, you know, showed up in his, you know, true form, original form. Again, his body started shivering. He's like, cover me, cover me, cover me. Then Gabriel came down and followed him to his house. Not with his, of course, he probably took the form of a man. Whatever the, whatever the method he did, that he just followed him to his house. And he recited, Oh, you who, co- who is covered up, stand up and warn people and praise your Lord while you're at it and clean yourself and leave all which is filthy and do not be tempted by people's uh, offerings. Let me explain to you. This is actually a chapter called Al-Muddathir, chapter that we read in the Quran. Ya ayyuha al-Muddathir, qum fa'andhir. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ وَالرُّجْزَ فَهْجُرْ وَلَا تَمْنٌ تَسْتَكْثِرْ Beautiful verse. I love reading this, this, this chapter. Beautiful couple of verses. يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِرُ All you who is covered up, stand up. Now, there is no time for introductions. This was technically the second introduction that the Prophet be being introduced to his own prophethood, right? So, khalas, that's it. No time for introductions. Let me tell you what you have to do. Let me tell you the message of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to spread to the rest of mankind. Oh, you who's covered up in your own comfort zone. Leave that comfort zone and be active. Start preaching the religion of Allah and warn people from disbelieving Him. And while warning people, glorify your Lord and praise Him. Tell them who is your Lord. And leave anything that is, like I said, filthy or impure. That's it. All the, the, the customs and, uh, and, and the things before Islam, leave them aside. And do not be tempted by the offerings of people. Do it only for the sake of Allah. And lastly, be patient because you will need it. You are about to bear something that's very heavy. And people's response will be rejection, you know, persecution. People will expel you, like Waraka told him. So you will require patience to deal with those people. To deal with your own people. Your family members, your friends will reject you. And you will need patience, patience, patience. That's why he was a shepherd in the first place. Again, to mentally. So Allah mentally prepares him to become patient. Beautiful, beautiful verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you what you should do when you're preaching Islam here. Clean up yourself mentally and physically. Go wash yourself. Look presentable. Leave your comfort zone. Talk to people. Tell them about their Lord and your Lord. And warn them. This is going to happen to you if you disbelieve. Eternity in hellfire. No exceptions. Be patient. People will reject you. People will 
resist you, you know? Trust me, of course, the Prophet is the example of preaching Islam. What the Prophet faced is, is, is something that none of us could handle. Like, yes, alhamdulillah, I, I you know, tell people about my religion, whatever, but I, I don't think I can handle what, anything, that, a fracture of what happened to the Prophet And we'll talk about that in the future, what exactly happened to the Prophet You know? Yes, we, we meet rejections. Yeah, people mock my religion, and that's why I try to educate them. Sometimes they could, you know, be ignorant. They have harsh words. But alhamdulillah, we try as much as we can to be patient with them. That's exactly what I told you guys in, 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 in uh, I think, a few episodes ago when I told you how to deal with your family if you became a Muslim, if you just became a Muslim, and you want to talk to your family about Islam, that's how you deal with them. You know, be patient and have knowledge to tell them about Islam. Now, the Prophet ﷺ realizes what's happening. He realizes that, okay, now he understands now. Now he got the picture. Now it's official. Now it's official. You know, he got the picture. And that's why, by the way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, a lot of people ask, why would Allah wait a couple of months? You know, for the second and final introduction to his prophet. Why would Allah wait a couple of months for Gabriel to co come down and talk to him again? Well, number one, to mentally prepare him for a second encounter with Gabriel. Because the second encounter is gonna, was going to be the final introduction. No more introductions. That's it. This is your task. This is your job. Your Lord wants you to do this. That's it. Number one. To make him, number two is to make him recover from the first encounter. Allah gave him some time to recover. Because again, he was freaked out. And then, you know, he was shaking. And, and all these things happened to him. So Allah gave him some time to heal. To recover from, you know, the first shock. And also to keep him on his toes. You know, Allah wanted to keep him anxious and looking forward to the second encounter, even though he couldn't handle it when he saw when he actually met, uh, saw Gabriel on his original form. But again, Allah wanted him to want this. So that was the wisdom behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala waiting a month or two for the second revelation, basically. Now, and that worked because the, the, uh, the Prophet Sallam understood now what he had to do. He was not, you know, he got out of his comfort zone. He understood exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him in those verses. And Gabriel, you know, delivered to him. And of course, like we said, that officially now makes Khadija the first Muslim. And Waraka is also the first Muslim. Because Waraka, by the way, he died before the official uh, message of Islam began. So he died before then. He died shortly after that, that meeting that they had with the, he had with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Khadija. He died shortly after. Then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam started preaching Islam secretly because now we have a large nation who will persecute you, will punish you, will torture you if you say, if you come up with a new religion. So he secretly started, you know, preaching Islam to his loved ones, friends and family. Abu Bakr, Again, Abu Bakr is a name that you guys should be aware of. Abu Bakr is literally the Prophet's best friend, and he is the best, by unanimous consensus, the best of the companions. Abu Bakr, and then we have Ali, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali ibn Abi Talib is the cousin of the Prophet. They converted next after Khadija and Waraka. You know? Abu Bakr did not hesitate once. Once the Prophet told him about Islam, he's like, okay, I believe. I'm following you. I believe in you. 
Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. He he took the testimony of faith. Done. And that's why he's called the Siddiq, by the way. For those of you who do not know, Abu Bakr has a nickname, As-Siddiq. As-Siddiq in Arabic means the one who believes. Meaning the one who believed the Prophet ﷺ in everything he basically said. And that was it. That was how the revelation uh, started and how the, our Prophet ﷺ became a prophet. Uh, thank you so much for listening and participation. Again, if you have any questions regarding these topics that we're talking about or regarding any other topics in Islam, please do not hesitate to email me. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.